It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the program. With me in the KFG studios, as always, my business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. So how can you stay motivated to achieve your financial goals when they're all long-term and you're not even going to realize these goals for a decade uh, from now or even more? And what are some of the things that can help you stay focused? We're helping with that and more on this episode of The Wise Money Show. Now, you got to consider the source here because for Kevin, it can be challenging to stay focused for an hour-long show like on what we're trying to talk about. He's not even looking at me right now. I'm with you. <laughs> All right, we're happy to to get into that. And then we're getting into some questions from fans of the show. If you have a question or have any needs, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to help. You can call or text us, 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Online, wisemoneyshow.com. That's where you can find us. Submit questions that way as well. And then all of our social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Search the Wise Money Show. Okay, they, this topic was inspired from another one of our we we have a full team of CFPs at Corhorn Financial Group. You only get to hear a few of us on on the show, but gosh, uh, the team's made up of about eighty financial professionals, um, and gosh, twenty or so CFPs, and fantastic. So Amy Masters, uh, we've had the pleasure of working with her for gosh, almost ten years. She is awesome, and uh, and she came to me and said, "Gosh, I wonder if it would be a good topic for the show." to talk about staying motivated when all of your goals are long-term, when your short-term goals maybe are on autopilot or maybe have been accomplished. And now it's really just the goals that are decades out in the future. How do you stay motivated? And I think particularly challenging right now when everything seems to cost more and, mm-hmm. and, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, these, these, what I'm sacrificing for I'm not going to realize for the you know distant future. So we're going to get around to that. But I think, where I want to start is the goal planning, goal mapping process that we use at KFG. And I actually think that could be part of the answer. But let's start there because some of you might say, well, I've got a couple financial goals that are sort of, um, and I haven't really thought through the approach, but no, I, I haven't really mapped out all of my goals recently. So Josh, what's, what's that process? Well, yeah, some people struggle to articulate what their goals are at all. You know, have you ever met with someone and they're like, you ask them, what are your financial goals? And man, they struggle to come up with like, well, what should they be? I I don't know. And that could be because you may just be busy living life and you've never really taken that much time to pause and think about the future. What, What do you want more of in your life? What do you want to be different in your life? What do you want less of in your life? And that requires some contemplative time some some retreat type time, some thought time. And man, it, I, I don't know, I, I'll just speak for myself and my family. You can get into these seasons of life where there's just no time to pause and think about the future or think about you know, what, what you would want to change in your life. And I'm talking big picture, not just financial matters, but haven't you found though that 
almost every life goal that someone has, it has some sort of financial implications to it. Oh, absolutely. Right? There's a parallel version of a financial goal attached to that life goal. Well, I mean, your finances are not the end themselves. They're a means to living the intentional life, the life that you're called to. And gosh, honestly, I mean, one of the reasons why we're so passionate about what we do and comprehensive financial planning is, is that... Uh, that process, that proactive planning allows you, frees you up to be, um, you know, unencumbered or, or, or be less worried about your finances so you can truly be free to live the life that you're called to. That's exactly right. And if a certified financial planner's primary role is to help you align your financial resources with the things that are your priorities in life, what you're trying to achieve, your goals, then it's important for you to have some sort of target in mind, right? Mm-hmm. And if if you don't, or if you're just not sure what's next in your life, then there does need to be some sort of a, a, a process that you can go through periodically. I like to set goals on an annual basis, or at least revisit them, and kind of take inventory of, of what's going on in my life. Are there areas where I'm very satisfied and other areas where I'm like, you know what, I'm I don't feel like I'm achieving the vision here in this area. And that's the area that I want to set some goals. It could be health-related, could be relationship-related, whatever. But um, your certified financial planner should be someone who can help guide you through that process. Mm-hmm. And it is by just asking questions about what are your priorities, what are your values, what, what's important to you. And it's you and your spouse, right? So this should not be something where you go lock yourself away in a room all by yourself if if you are in relationship with someone, you're doing life with them, and your goals affect their goals, then this needs to be a joint venture here. I, okay, I'll tell you. <laughs> I've gotten in trouble with this before, and I've, I've shared it. I've confessed it before on the Wise Money Show, but where we're, there's all of a sudden some resources, a gift or something, and, and I just have my head down and assume, without talking to Cindy, well, that money is saved. Right. We save that money. Mm-hmm. And I remember early on in our relationship where she very innocently and sweetly said, well, well, shouldn't shouldn't some of that money go into the vacation fund? You know, shouldn't we enjoy some of that money? And it um, it <laughs> it never occurred to me. And so just, yes, having those goals. I mean, you represent if you're married, you represent half of the goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Josh, you're you're talking about all right, you have this process of doing these things. And I like that most folks need some sort of external stimulus, especially when it comes to setting a goal that they don't have great clarity about. Mm -hmm. Like the idea of, all right, someday I want to be done working. Yeah, I know that that's, I do at least, I want maybe instead of saying be done working, maybe I just want more freedom. So that's time freedom, it's financial freedom. I want more of that, but most often the certified financial planner's role is to help kind of pull that out. I was just sitting with some clients and they said, hey, we're thinking about selling our house in the neighborhood and we would move to a house in the country. Um, if we stay in the neighborhood, we would, we would want to keep this house and buy a lake house. Okay, good. If they bought the house in the country, the house in the country is uh, proximity-wise very close to a lake. So he said, so then we wouldn't need a lake house. And she looked at him like, 
he had just <laughs> kicked, you know, her dog or something. And, and she's like, oh, oh yeah, oh, we, we definitely would still have the lake house. Yeah. And he's like, well, it, it'd be it, what, what the place in the country would be more expensive and there'd be more of everything. And we would be fine with just a boat slip. And um, so he's thinking boat slip. Yeah. Lake access yeah, is as right. good as lake property. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it's it is it. And then they both looked at me. I'm like, no, 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 this would be where you guys look at each other. And but they as they talk through it, then because I, I think that I've thought the same ways when there were other resources and and, and when. Lori said, well, let's, you know, let's enjoy this or let's do this. It almost, it's, it's, uh, I don't know what it is. It's, you're giving up some sort of control or something, but it's, it, it, it's in some ways maddening. I don't, I shouldn't admit that out loud, but it, and so you have to, you, you have to work through it and say, okay, no, 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 we're on the same team. We're pulling on the same side of the rope. We all, we want good things. Um, and we know objectively that we're on pace to reach these goals. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Mike, you said something in there about early on in your marriage. Uh, it, I, I think the comment was, shouldn't we put some of this yeah. money into the vacation fund? Yeah. That was Cindy's uh, response. And I, it took me back to uh, a philosophy course when I was at Bethel and the professor was saying, anytime that you hear the word should or ought to, that sort of thing, you're um, getting a clue into someone's values or their beliefs. It's kind of their worldview, right? Mm -hmm. What is a priority for them? We should do this. And um, all of us have those ought to's or those shoulds in our mind. And marriage is about trying to reconcile two different opinions on what that ought to look like yeah. and, and finding a common ground together. So... The goal mapping process that we'll get to in the next segment is really a process of bringing two spouses together, potentially. And or if you're single, uh, helping you get clarity on your own. That's that's exactly right. It, it, it applies to both. And then from there, all right, how do you use that to accomplish short-term goals? And then getting back to the question, how do you stay motive, motivated when all of your goals are long-term? So we've got that and more coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Are you on track for your long-term financial goals? And if you are, how do you stay motivated, especially when life is always just, just coming at you? So we are hitting that and more. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content. Find us online, wisemoneyshow.com, all over social media as well. Search the Wise Money Show. All right, so we're weaving our way to answering the question, how do you stay motivated when all of your financial goals are long-term? And I would even argue right now it's more challenging because of inflation and life is just full and busy and, and more expensive. So how do you stay focused on those long-term goals? I want to start, though, with the goal mapping process. We meandered around a little bit, took the lazy river, but, but Josh, let's get into it. What, what is that, the, the few steps of the goal mapping process? Well, I'm assuming that you've already taken some of that quiet time on your own to think about life, and you've come up with a list of priorities, things that you want to be able to accomplish. 
Sometimes these are bucket list type items. Other times they're, they're financial goals like, man, I want to pay off some debt or I want to save up for a certain purchase, that kind of thing, something more concrete. But once you have that list, now it's, it's the process of getting it consolidated into one master list with you and your spouse. Okay. And this is, this is a process that your certified financial planner can walk you through kind of helping to guide the process, getting everyone's goals out on, on the table or in our office, it'd be out on the whiteboard, yep. uh, get, get them all out there so that they're visible. And we've got one list. And now each spouse separately would take the time to go through and prioritize what are the goals in order, um, most important to least important which is different than um, the first goal in a timeline, like chronologically, what's coming up next versus what's further out. That's an important process that we would get to later on, but don't let um, you know the, the short-term goal of uh, paying off that credit card trump something that's more important to you, actually, um, if, if it really isn't a priority right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, sometimes, uh, here's an example of that. We'll hear uh, people debating on, well, is college for the kids more important than retirement for ourselves? And sometimes college gets the priority just because it comes first in line, right? But if in reality, retirement is more important to you, if you could only achieve one or the other, not both, which one would you pick? And if that's retirement, then you would score that one as first and college second. Yeah. So you're going through the whole list. It might be 10, 15 items on the list. Hopefully the, the more the better, really, because that would indicate that you've really given lots of thought and you've, you've spent the time up front in the brainstorming. But when you have your full list and you've each prioritized them one through 15 or whatever, now it's the time to compare. And to kind of consolidate that list by saying, what is our blended priority together? My number one, what's that? What's your number one? And, um, and how do we score each of these with a blended or average score, essentially? Yeah, so if you rated, you know, get the hot tub as number one, and your spouse rated that as number five, right? Then the average of that would be three. Now, when you go through all of the goals, get the new hot tub, replace the vehicle, do, you know, do this addition on the house, college for the kids, retire, pay the mortgage off, that sort of thing. If, if the average number, the lowest average number is three, then that's the higher priority. That's That's the highest priority. This is about when, so hopefully your CFP is guiding you and working with you during that entire process. If you do that process at home, that's, that's great. But about that time you come in with that blended list. Okay, I think this is the prioritized list. That's absolutely the time. If your CFP isn't involved by this stage, they should be. Because it's very possible they might be able to weigh in on, you know what, I understand these are the priorities, but there's a financial implication here. So for example, you've got, you know, if college, saving up for college was your third highest priority goal, but if we put a, some resources towards it right now, there's a tax benefit that we could get mm-hmm. this year. But if we don't, if we wait until next year, then we'll give up the opportunity this year, should that jump in line. But then the other thing is, so not only will they have a little bit of perspective, because you mentioned, Josh, is paying off the credit card the highest priority, or is there a different goal? My goodness, if that different goal is more consumption, then, <laughs> then your CFP yeah. might say, hold on, guys, hang on, hang on. 
because uh, how are you going to pay for that more consumption and, and so on? Um, but they also will then help you with strategy, calculating, all right, what's the approach and how do we, how do we accomplish this goal? That's exactly right, because um, to me, it's taking that list, that combined blended list, and there may be some ties where uh, a financial advisor, as you said, can help you sort through, well, which one really takes precedence over over the other. But um, you're, you're also thinking through, well, which ones are needs versus wants, the things that you have to do versus the things that you want to do. I would argue, or I would encourage clients that you put money towards the needs before the wants, right? Also, you've got shorter-term goals and longer-term goals. You want to make sure that you're hitting these goals in the priority uh, or the timeline that they come in as long as they really are highly ranked goals. So to me, placing these almost on a grid of the up-close things you have to do versus the far-out things that you have to do, compare that then to the far-out things that you want to do and the up-close things you want to do. And you almost create this, this cycle that you go through. On, and this is just one method, one way of filtering your goals to give priority. Because essentially what the next step is, and this is where we get into the nuts and bolts of financial planning, we have to quantify every single one of these goals. Mm-hmm. Every one of these goals has a price tag attached to it. There are certain resources that you're going to need to pour into, certain sacrifices that you might need to make. And, um, it, you know, coming up with a goal that is five years out and is going to take $20,000, well, where is that $20,000 going to come from? Does that need to be translated now into a monthly savings goal for you? Or are you going to play catch up in the second half of that five-year period of time? This is where the financial planner, that that's someone who can help you truly align your resources with your priorities really comes into play and can bring that creativity that you were talking about. Okay. All right. So let's bring it back because there's lots of different places to go with it. But, but let's start, start addressing the question. So you've done that process. Maybe all of your short-term goals are handled or maybe your highest priority goals are these long-term goals and you look and, okay, I, they, they need all the resources. There's not a lot of room for other goals. Kevin, you and I were just talking about that before we, we started recording. How do you stay motivated for those long-term goals? I, I would first throw out there, maybe go through this goal mapping process again. Make sure that you're pointed at the right goals. Yeah, it, it can be a little uh, discouraging if you've taken the journey of a 1,000 miles. It begins with the first step, and, and you're uh, just a few steps into it. And you say, well, how do I stay on track? And there are lots of different ways that we can kind of do a Jedi mind trick on ourselves and and say, okay, I need to convince myself. But, you know, this is really for the first time in, in human history within the last hundred years, it's been I've been able to create enough excess energy that we're going to call money and store it up for a future where I can be done working and be financially independent. I mean, that's a, that is a newer concept in the span of human history. And if you go to different uh, countries or different continents, uh, the, uh, you know, a, a, certainly a poorer country, the ability for folks to think long term beyond tomorrow or next week, it's not 
in the thinking. Mm-hmm. And it's very strange because you think, well, everyone thinks like we think and everyone lives like we live. And the reality is no, no one thinks like we think and no one lives like we live. So it, it's, it's very different what we're, what we're trying to do. And you say, well, can I stay motivated to do without something today knowing that it's going to take care of my tomorrow? And um, that's that's that level of thinking. It's you know I just you just go to the marshmallow experiment. Like nope, it's not natural. Mm. It's <laughs> it's not easy uh, to 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 do. Yeah, actually, and and there's a lot of other forces that are um, yeah creating such a uh, culture or making it easier for instant gratification. You're bombarded and everywhere that you turn, even friends or social media or technology to have an experience or for instant gratification. And I don't know, it's so, so much of the goodness of life, certainly with financial planning comes in the disciplined execution and patience of achieving something over the long term. All right, we're going to get more practical. How do you stay motivated for those long-term goals? We've got that more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. What are the right approaches or, or, or tactics, techniques to stay focused on your long-term financial goals when they're so far out and there's so many things bombarding you in the short term? We're helping with that more. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show, as well as a lot of other content, is on the YouTube channel. Go check it out. Go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to it there. Okay, guys, it, it's time for Brass Tacks. Staying motivated towards those long-term goals. Let's face it. Saving up for retirement is going to take decades. Saving mm-hmm. up for kids' college could take decades. Saving, Building up that emergency fund is going to take a long time. Paying off debt, depending on your situation, could take a long time. How do you stay motivated? Well, I think part of staying motivated is confirming on an ongoing basis that this really is my goal. This yeah. is what I want to do. And in a vacuum, it, it, it's it's difficult, but if you get out and you say, okay, I'd like to see someone who's living with financial freedom and what does that look like versus someone who maybe is not. Or, you know, I I got a text uh, this week from someone that said, what do you think about a reverse mortgage? And I thought, oh, no. And, yeah, it was an oh, no moment because – but it wasn't for her and her husband – it was for her father and her father's wife, and so they're, they've they've um, dug themselves into a pretty deep financial hole, and it, it it's like okay, I am the, you know I'm it's down I'm down forty nine to nothing, and there's two minutes left in the game. Uh, here's the Hail Mary pass that's going to start the comeback. <laughs> and it's like, no, that probably isn't going to work. And the and the problem is, and, and, you know, what I explained to her is, well, you know, reverse mortgage could be a, a can be a, a, a tool. And I'm, I don't, th- I don't, I don't judge tools and say horrible tools, great tools, but it's, it's probably not going to do all that you're hoping it will do. And so if you see folks that have lived a long time and it, because I think to me, what's important to me? Well, I want, I want, I want peace. Well, there's no peace without, 
you know, financial security, some folks don't mind it, but for most folks, it's like, no, I need to know that things are taken care of. So you need to see, in, in my opinion, what helps me stay motivated for my long-term goals is to see the difference between what does a life look like that's lived well and there's been great stewardship versus, and and I'm not even judging and saying, you know, the, the, the folks that might be thinking about a reverse mortgage are bad. No, they, they, they didn't, they, for whatever reason, they weren't equipped and they didn't know. So, so to me, staying motivated is having a contrast right in front of me that I can see both. Yeah. So having a clear vision of what the target ultimately is. I, you said something in there that I really like though, that, uh, it needs to be revisited periodically to make sure that that's still the goal for you, right? Revisiting or requantifying, refining that goal is part of the financial planning process. It's, it's part of the conversation that you need to be having with your certified financial planner on an annual basis, talking about, well, what is it that we're trying to achieve here? Having a, having a clear vision and being able to be reminded of why you're sacrificing today for that better future out there. And by having a constantly refreshed goal in mind, um, you're keeping it well, fresh, like keep, keeping it real, right? Keeping it motivated as motivating as opposed to something that you had set as a priority back when you were young and didn't know any better, right? No, this is a goal that we have refined in the past year and I'm refocused. I am, um, you know, kind of realigning myself. I would also say that another way to stay um, motivated is to break those huge long-term goals down into smaller bite-sized pieces as well. I'm remembering, you know, early on when uh, we were trying to get out of student loan debt, you know, it, that for some people could be a 10 year process, could be even longer yeah. if, if you went to grad school or medical school or something like that. Um, and to me, putting it literally on the refrigerator and having an amortization schedule laid out. Every time we made a payment, we got to watch the balance come down. And it was like every single month that we, we, we did it again. We afforded that uh, that investment in education. It's we're one step closer to being done. We were accelerating um, how quickly we wanted to wipe that debt out, and man, it was it was motivating to watch the balance just melt right in front of you. Mm-hmm. So now we were taking a long term goal and turning it into a shorter term goal just by being aggressive, but the concept is still the same. You know, I, I have some clients where the most important conversation that we have every year is a review of their balance sheet. Mm-hmm. We, we have a, a report that we generate for our clients that I, I refer to it as a net worth tracking report. But it's basically a year-on-year comparison to how their fa- financial life is laid out. Like, what is the progress that's being made? And they needed that on an annual basis to be able to just stay motivated, to recognize, hey, all the hard work, all of the saving, all of the sacrificing, the postponements, those types of things that allowed debt to be whittled down and assets to be built up, it shows up on paper for them. Mm-hmm. And they can see, wow, look at where we are now compared to where we were five years ago. Yep. And to see that progress gets them fired up and ready to go do it again for another year. Okay. I, let me, I want to build on that, but, but let me go back to what you said about breaking longer-term goals into more bite-sized pieces. I think there's incredible power to that. One other trick or gimmick, if you will, that tie that could tie with it is giving a little bit of of um 
I don't know, reward, if you will, each time you make a small, you know, a, a small step. And this could be something as innocent as, all right, every time we did that monthly savings, we get a date night or something like that. And you might say, well, in the most strict sense, we don't have the money for the date night because it's got to go towards the long term. But I guess, is there room for you to balance that long term goal achieving behavior with some short term reward? I'm connecting this back to one of our favorite books at KFG, one of my favorite books, Atomic Habits by James Clear. And and I, I would strongly recommend there are so many financial parallels with that book. I, yeah. I just can't we, we couldn't explain it all. So if you're a reader, I would go check that out for sure. But connecting the behavior that you should do to achieve the life that you intentionally want to have with something that gives you short-term gratification as well. So you sort of trick yourself into doing it. So that's one. But then the, the second, Josh, is, yeah, staying. There are times when you're pursuing that long-term goal where you can tune into your progress and it can look like time went by and I didn't make any progress at all. Sure. That net worth comparison report, Josh, is so valuable to show, okay, Kevin used to share it like this. All right, the cruise the cruise ship has left the port, has left the dock, but when I'm looking ahead, all I see is blue ocean. I have no idea if I'm moving forward or not. You sometimes need to go to the back of the boat and look and say, oh my goodness, we can't even see land anymore. At the front of the boat, doesn't look like I'm moving at all. But when I compare with that perspective, we're actually making tons of progress, and that can be very, very invigorating. You know, another way to break your long-term goals down into bite-sized pieces is to think about that that big-picture goal. Maybe it's a major life achievement like retirement or starting a family, buying a house, that sort of thing. Um, but there's often prerequisites or there's other shorter-term goals that need to be done or you would want to have done before uh, you start having babies, right? Uh, this was how we approached uh, starting a family as well. We we had some life, like fun things we wanted to do before kids. We had our top 50 things to do before kids. And man, it drove uh, the future grandmothers crazy. <laughs> like you're just putting all these hurdles in place before, <laughs> you know, having, having these uh, grandbabies. But um, it was things, uh, th- there were also goals like, man, we wanted to have certain debt wiped out. We wanted to make sure we had a safe car for the family to be riding in. We wanted to be into a house. Uh, maybe you, you might say, I want to be able to uh, have my uh, one spouse be at home with the kids and the other one support the family working. We want to be a one-income family. These are things that don't just happen by accident, right? In fact, if you have a clear vision for where you want to get to, by setting some of these short-term goals in place, it can be motivating because, man, we, we want to start a family, but we're going to put these things in place and we're going to stay really motivated to achieve those first so that when kids start coming along, we're in a stronger position than we otherwise would have been. And there's no regrets, no stress, no worry associated with it. Ultimately, and, and I, we should have and could have started with this, how to stay focused on those long-term goals, regular meetings with your CFP. They're going to do everything that we just shared, show you where you are, help you confirm that's the right goal, come up with the right strategies, show you the incremental improvement, talk through some short-term strategies to reward yourself on the way there. So work with your CFP. All right, we've got more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. 
Thanks for being here. This is The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of The Wise Money Show is on podcast. Wherever you listen, just search The Wise Money Show, subscribe or follow us there, rate the program there as well. We appreciate it. All right. We're shifting into questions from fans of the show. And first question comes in from Jeff. Very long and articulate. I'll, I'll share the, the the gist of it. But uh, I've watched several of your YouTube videos. Great information. Thank you. But I'm still struggling with an exact answer to my question. I'm 63 years old and I'm considering applying for Social Security benefits right now. I currently receive two pensions and a VA disability. Therefore... If I started my Social Security now, it would be taxable. I would. I, there's enough other income going on that the way I understand Social Security taxation, my Social Security would be taxable. Therefore, should I draw Social Security now or should I delay Social Security until age 67 and enjoy some years where I have less tax or where I'm not paying tax on my Social Security? And he says, as the cliche goes, the more you make, the more they take. So... Guys, what are your thoughts? He includes in here also that listen, tomorrow isn't guaranteed. There's security or there's there's solvency concerns with Social Security as well. So might not be there tomorrow. I might not be there tomorrow. And I there's some emotions at work saying, well, should I just take it now, even though it's going to be taxed, or should I delay it, let it grow, and enjoy lower tax in the meantime? Oh, that's a great question, Jeff. Thank you for your service. And um I, it's the, the perfect answer. What everyone wants is the perfect answer. And the perfect answer is only knowable in hindsight because you don't know what the future is going to bring. So you're right. The, you know, your brothers in arms have died in their sixties. Your best friend died a year and a half ago. You've got all of these other you know, these things that are weighing in a lot of times people are like, well, you know, my dad died at 56 and, and, you know, I'm 60 now. And, and so there's, you, you don't know the answer. So what you have to do is make your best educated guess. And to me, one of the first considerations is, is there any chance that I'm going back to work? Because that would be that, and that wouldn't even be the the determinant factor, but that'd be a a, a major component of the decision making process. Is am I going to go back to work? Because if I'm going to go back to work and make above, let's say, was it twenty thousand something like that, and I'm not yet at full retirement age, they're going to be pulling back some of my social security anyway. So if I know for sure, for sure, I'm not going to go back to work, I'm not going to be a consultant, I'm not going to go back as a contractor for the place that I used to work at, then then it could make some sense. And really, one of the ways to play the game, to me, Jeff, is, well, do you need the money? That's where I was going to start, is do the current pensions that you have and, and the VA benefit, is that enough to live the life that you want? And if it is, then yeah, Kevin, you're completely right. You're you're not going to know the right answer in, until there's hindsight. However, you you've got a pretty good setup. You don't need Social Security to live the life that you want. Adding it would give you more I mean, more resources, you know, that you could save up or or give you a little bit more cushion. But I I feel like I would start there. Number one. Number two 
is you, and I'm reading it here, possibly 85% of my social security would be taxed. I would work with a CFP. I mean, of course, right. But who does tax planning so that you can build out that multi-year tax projection and know for sure, okay, what will the tax picture actually look like? Therefore, should, should the taxes really be considered here? I want to make sure also that, um, well, not only is Jeff clear, but every other listener is clear that when we start saying that 85% of your social security could be taxed, that is not the same as an 85% tax, hmm. right? Yeah. And and you could hear that. You could hear, Easily. man, yes. they're going to give me a, a dollar and then take back 85 cents of it because my income got too high. Why would I do that? I should just wait, right? When in reality, all, all that's saying is up to 85 cents of the dollar they gave you is going to be counted on your tax return in accumulating the income and doing the calculation to figure out what your tax is. Big difference. So, so keep this in mind, and we shouldn't do math on the radio, we always say, but if, Jeff, you've got some pension income, disability income, uh, and this Social Security, and it all adds up to... $100,000, let's say. That doesn't mean that all $100,000 is going to be taxed because you have something called a standard deduction that can be, you get to ignore $27,700 here in 2023. Um, you get to take that right off the tax return and pay tax possibly on, on what's left. But as long as that taxable income stays under, what is it, $89,000 this year, um, then you're going to be in the 12% tax bracket. Okay, yep. A 12% bite is very different than the 85% that you might be telling yourself. I don't know if that's really what Jeff is thinking, but we've seen enough people that hear it that way that I think it's important to just stress the, the difference here. So think about it this way. If the government was going to give you a dollar worth of income and 12 cents of it goes to taxes to the federal government, and maybe you've got a state tax of another 5 to 7% or so, um, then you know we're still under 20 cents getting trimmed off of that. You're still 80 cents ahead. The bigger concern in my mind is the haircut that you're giving yourself on that Social Security, because if you're only 63 years old, you're, you're retiring early by Social Security's standards. You're, you're drawing early. And because of that, there would be a penalty or reduction forever on your benefits. And if someday you pass away and your wife outlives you, uh, the potential benefit to her also is affected because you drew earlier. So there's, there's more than just the tax picture to be thinking about in all of this. And uh, we tend, it, it's often that people think, I need to draw Social Security early because of fear of a short retirement. Right. Mm -hmm. I, what if I don't live very long and I've missed out on, on an opportunity to cash in on something that I paid in? Fear of a short retirement is what often draws people to take the, those reductions, to take the penalties and draw early. I would encourage you, and this is what your certified financial planner would try to give you a vision for as well. There's also a risk of a retirement that's longer than you ever imagined as well. Yeah, absolutely. The fear of a long retirement maybe needs to be raised a little bit or at least dealt with as a risk that you're facing. And when you think about retirement that way, having a delayed Social Security where you maximize the amount that the government is promising to pay you could put you in a position where you actually have a stronger 
outlook for retirement because you delayed? Yeah, the other pension, the sources of income that you have, do they have a cost of living adjustment on them as well? If, I mean, there, here's one way to think about it. If you've got, if these income sources are enough for you guys to live the life that you're that you that you want right now, but out there in the future because they don't have inflation protection, that purchasing power is eroded a little bit. Maybe it would make sense to delay and then have that pop of Social Security back in um, coming a little bit later, and that cost of living adjustment on that Social Security would be on a larger starting dollar amount. So you might want to consider that too. Yeah, there are all kinds of strategies that that you could consider, Jeff. One thing that you could do is if you decided to draw early and you didn't need the money, you draw early and you either improve your balance sheet by reducing liabilities that are out there. And so you put yourself in a better position for your your monthly income to cover everything and more. If, you're, if your balance sheet's already as clean and tidy as you can possibly get it, one thing that you might do if you if you decide to draw early is uh, take those trips that you at 63 you might be interested in taking and at 73 or 83 might not be as appealing mm-hmm. uh, so all right that that those hikes that you wanted to take or you know the the real active vacations get those done while you still feel like it because and again this is the benefit to seeing some folks who are in their 80s uh, not everyone in their 80s uh, gets real excited about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, so I would start, Jeff, we were, we're saying start with uh, taking a look at, well, do you need the income right now? Do you need the income or are there other sources of income that if you don't turn on Social Security, you're going to have to draw that down? So that'd be the first question. Second, then working with that CFP to lay out that multi-year tax projection, lay out that kind of future long-term retirement projection to see if that gives you indication any indication of which approach is, is better. And then third, confirm the tax situation, it, like Josh said, it might not be as scary as you're originally making it out to be. So thanks for the question. That is all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. They say that in the Army, the pay is mighty fine. They give you $100 and take back 99 <laughs> Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.